The world champion Dodgers have some world champion podcasts. Don't miss a chance to catch up on Dodger Talk by podcasting it on the iHeartRadio app. Just search Dodger Talk for new episodes every weekday and after each game. Portions of the following program were pre-recorded. AM 570 KLAC, 98.7 KYSR, HD2. Los Angeles. Available anywhere using the iHeartRadio app. AM 570. An L.A. sports icon. Fred Rogan is here tonight. Decades on your television covering Los Angeles sports. Fred Rogan, huge in Los Angeles. The Dean. I'm the Dean. Fred Rogan. Weekdays before Petros and Money. A USC All-American. USC's Rodney Pete. An NFL quarterback. Absolutely perfectly delivered by Rodney Pete. Rodney Pete. Available on the iHeartRadio app or on am570lasports.com. This is Rogan and Rodney. All right, here we go. Fred Rogan, Rodney Pete on AM570, LA Sports. Big show, three hours today. We've got Dodgers, we've got NBA. Rodney, how are you? I'm great, Fred. How are you? Doing fine. Let's get started with the Dodgers, all right? Why not? There's they a mo- won. They won. And I know everybody's talking about Gavin Lux and the way he hit the ball. We'll get to that. There was a moment in that game last night that made me smile. And it had nothing to do with the Dodgers winning. It had nothing to do with Gavin Lux. And it was one moment, one isolated moment, and it shows the difference if you're in a place where you want to be and the people in that place want you. There's a play in the game. Justin Turner makes a great defensive play late in the game. All right? And the throw to first, they get the runner. It gets the Dodgers out of a tight situation. Most important defensive play of the game. If you look at the replay, Justin Turner throws the ball. Albert Pujols is at first. As Pujols stretches to catch the ball, the minute the ball hits his glove, so he's got it, with his right hand, Pujols is now pumping his fist. Pumping his fist. Yeah, we got him. And that brief glimpse, that moment, showed how excited Albert Pujols was to be there at that moment, invested in the game when he just showed up, knowing the importance of that play and being a member of the Dodgers. I thought that was, and it was isolated and maybe people didn't even focus on it, I thought that was the big moment of the game. Albert Pujols, enjoying himself, invested in his new team, getting that guy at first base. And I thought... This is the right move for Albert Pujols. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to bust your bubble, Fred. But he'd have made that. He'd have made that fist if he was playing for Albuquerque Dukes back in the day. It, it, I mean, <laughs> it was a. It was a play that they made in a game that he was playing in. Um, I wouldn't read. Like, oh, my God, he's in a place where he wants to be, and this is the moment. And the... No, no. It was a play they made. Simple as that. It wasn't, it wasn't anything dramatic. He makes that same gesture if he's playing for the Pirates. He makes that same gesture five years ago against the, with the Angels if they make a big play. Uh, let's not go crazy now that he caught a ball from Justin Turner and he pumped his fist, and, oh, my God, that's the – 
That's the moment that he became a Dodgers eater in a place where he wants to be. And uh, no, no, no. Well, you're certainly entitled to your play. opinion. You're <laughs> entitled to the way you see it. I, I saw it a little differently. It doesn't take much to get you excited, does it? Yeah, because, well, no, not really. But because during the game, as you watched, and they would take shots of him on the bench, I mean, he seemed genuinely happy. Fred, he hadn't played for, he hadn't played for, I don't know, what, two weeks now, right? Ever since he got released from, from the Angels. You're a player, you want to play. And finally, all you want to know is where am I going to go, and I still can play, I finally got a team that's going to sign me, and now I get a chance to go play again. And I'm excited. That's really all that was. Okay. Well, no, that's fair. <laughs> no, you, listen, you know you played. Yeah. I look at it a little differently. I look at it like, all right, he really enjoyed that moment, and he seemed to really enjoy being on the Dodger bench. And uh, I did not watch a lot of tight shots of Albert Pujols when he played for the Angels. I have to be honest with you. I did not do that. Kevin probably did over the years. Yeah, he was grumpy every time he caught a ball. Like That's that. what I'm thinking. Right. Yeah. He was in a bad mood every play he made when he yeah. played for the Angels. And now look at him now. I wouldn't say that's accurate, Fred. <laughs> Would not say that's an accurate assessment. All right. Did you see what I'm talking well, about last night? I, I saw a play, but I don't think it stood out as anything. No. Even, I mean, are you going to say, too, that the RBI hit that he had and he rounded first and gave a fist pump and pointed at someone? That, oh, my God, that's the first time I've seen Albert Pujols ever do that. It was a big moment in a close game, first time with his with his uh, new team. I mean, yeah, a little pumped up, sure, but I don't think that that's any indication or anything. To Rodney's point, anything new or out of the ordinary for most players in a situation like that. So no. what you're saying is, you think I oversold this last night on TV? Yes, yes. Well, I think you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I oversold it last night. I thought it was a great moment. I, I you know. I will say, anytime the Dodgers make a good defensive play, you can't oversell that because they have not been the best in the field oh, this year. There you go. Even Gavin Lux had a couple of balls get by him last night. Well, Gavin so, Lux, I'm surprised he even finished the but, game. I know. I mean, yes, he hit the ball, and that was great. Yeah. Defensively, I, I, at one point I thought, okay, make it 13 on the IL. <laughs> He's out. Look what he did to his ankle. I mean, he looked like he was flipping all over the place. Spike got caught once, yeah. and he flipped. Before that, he fell over and tried to throw it. So you're saying he's not that graceful in the field there, Fred. Yeah, you're saying he's uncoordinated. What, what I'm saying, saying is Fred. he, you know what I'm saying? He looks graceful. Just the way he's built, you think, oh, yeah. man, this guy's a baseball player. Then he's falling over his own feet. It doesn't matter. It all worked out. It was all fine. And speaking of Lux, hey, give it to the guy. Give it to him. Give it to him when he's earned it. Uh, he started this season slowly. Had a great spring. Then started out really bad. Then got hurt. Okay, he's back, and now he's starting to hit the ball. And Rodney, I think it's the first time since he's been with the Dodgers. And again, don't get too excited. It's a long season. But I think it's the first wait, time. Wait, 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 wait. You can't say don't get too excited when you just went through a five-minute, you know, dissertation on Albert Pujols pumping his fist at first base yeah, but for that catching a routine play. And, and you, now you say, don't get too excited no, well, about don't, Gavin Lux? No, but that was one play. That was exciting for Albert Pujols to be invested and engaged as he was, at least in my opinion. As for Gavin Lux, I mean, Albert Pujols got an RBI last night. You don't see me saying, oh, my God, what he's going to tear the cover off the ball. No, I'm not saying that. But with Gavin Lux, I think it's the first time, and tell me how you feel about this, it's the first time we've really seen him start to hit 
in somewhat of a consistent manner as the Dodgers hoped and forecast he would. I mean, he all of a sudden, he looks pretty good at the plate. Yeah, it's been, you know, sustainable so far. And, and again, we're still early in the season, and, and we still got to, you know, tack on some at-bats at for him. But, yes, I, I think right now, if you look at his recent body of work, he is becoming that player that, that or we're seeing that player that the Dodgers saw and that everybody anticipated when he was brought up last year. And uh, and it's showing its face now, and I, and it's encouraging. But again, you know, he's got to sustain that because we thought, you know, we think the world. But as a young player, you got to be do, you got to be able to do it consistently, consistently. And he's doing it now, but he's got to continue it. And that's the question: Will he be able to? But right now, he is starting to do it, and that's a great sign for the Dodgers. I mean, look, there was a period of time here a couple of weeks ago where. If somebody hit a foul ball, you cheered. My God, they hit the ball. This is great news. Somebody made contact. Now, to be fair, I mean, you know, you're facing Arizona. And uh, not like, you know, Cy Young is out there pitching. So, this is a good time. And Miami was in Why town. Why are you dissing Bumgarner? Oh, I have to diss him. Okay. I just have to. Uh, but it's good for them to start. And even against mediocre pitching, given where they were, just to start to make contact, hit the ball, move guys around, and score. So I think that's an encouraging sign. Uh, back to pool holes for one second. You got me to thinking, Rodney. Bill Plaschke suggested maybe Albert Pujols has to prove himself. Does he have to prove anything, Albert to Pujols? Who? To, to who? To the fans? No. Yeah, I don't think so either. No. The, uh, is Albert Pujols going in the Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Does Albert Pujols have World Series rings? He sure does. He doesn't have to prove anything to anybody. Maybe he's already proved it. He already did. Yeah. I, I don't agree with that. I think the Dodgers know exactly who they were getting. They know exactly what they were doing. Why they signed him. I don't know if Bill means, and we can try to get him on the next couple of days here, because of the expectations he had when he signed with the Angels and never fully lived up to them, although he had a couple of really, really good years, had a 40 yeah. home run year, but because they may, maybe they never had team success the way that they were expecting to when they signed him. But, I mean, that's more of an Angel problem than a Pujols problem. I mean, he's an aging 40-year-old veteran guy. I don't know what you expect him to do at this point. So what, why I don't know why the expectations on him would be very high. They shouldn't be. He's a... Pinch hit, spot start, right hand bat. That's what he is. Yeah, I think everything you get from him is a bonus. Right. You know, it wasn't. You know, it's not like they went out and got him at the trade deadline, and they expect that. You know, he's the missing piece to give us a push to to win another championship. It's not like they went out and got a you Darvish to. Okay, he's that missing link in the starting rotation. That that in big moments he's going to be our guy. It's not like that. They. They got him on the cheap. Angels are paying the bulk of that salary, 99% of that salary. Uh, he's a good clubhouse guy and a, and a good guy all around. It's good for the younger players, even good for the veterans. And anything you get from him is is a bonus. So I don't think they're counting on him to be, uh, you know, have a major significant role. With But he could. He could. You know, he's capable of having some big hits and big moments like we saw Utley do, and we saw David Freeze do. I think he's capable of doing that for the Dodgers, and they don't need to lean on him to be that guy. As Kevin said, he can be a spot starter. He's going to pinch it, 
and he'll give you some some big hits along the way, just like he did, you know, last night with the RBI. All right. Uh, tell me if you agree with this. I would pay money. I would pay money. I, I would pay, if this was a guarantee every game, to go to Dodger Stadium every night. I would pay out of my own pocket every night to go to every game if I had the chance to see Kenley Jansen hit every single night. Every night. I would pay for that. You would. Oh, my God. When he went up last night, first he <laughs> he doesn't go up to hit. He goes up to hit. They, well, he's got the wrong helmet, so they have to give him a different helmet. He goes up there. That guy looks terrifying when he's at the plate. Now, he didn't hit it. Oh, my God. Hell of a swing, though. If he hit that ball, <laughs> he would hit it over the right field pavilion into the parking lot. My God, can he swing that bat. Yeah, people forget he came up as a catcher. Yeah. So he was a regular everyday player. So he has, you know, his most of his younger career, he that's what he did, and he hit. Uh, you lose that when you become a pitcher because you don't hit that often, and especially as a closer like he was, he never really got a chance to hit at the plate. So you lose those skills a little bit, but certainly it's there if he were to – to really start to work on it again, he certainly can. He's got the skills to be able to hit the ball. I think I'd pay to see him hit more than pitch, because if he started to make contact, oh my God! Who would you pay more to see okay. hit, Kenley or Rich Hill? Oh, <laughs> oh. Well, see, here's why I'm going to pay more to see Kenley. Okay, because when the Bishop hit it, it he he kind of ran. Yeah. You know was, when he would run, it was an adventure. It was an adventure, and it was kind of like a guy playing beer league softball. It looked like it hurt to run, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. <laughs> it did. <laughs> well, I was wondering if Rich was going to make it to first base. It looked like, you know, when Forrest Gump was running as a kid and, and right. they had the braces on right. and it started to fall off. All the metal and pieces started to fall off. That's Didn't Rick Monday once describe him running as him looking like a stork running away from a predator? <laughs> I thought that was really funny. Yeah, that is funny. But I, I, I would I would opt to see Kenley hit. Yeah. Although I'm not so sure if Kenley was hitting got hit in the throat with a pitch, he'd stay in the game like Rich Hill. <laughs> Remember when Rich Hill got yeah. hit in the throat right. yeah. with a pitch yeah. and he just defiantly stared out? It wouldn't come out of the game? He's a man. But Kenley's swing, I would oh my God. I would give anything to see him hit it out of the the entire ballpark, and he could. Is it just for moments like that that you would not want the DH to be in the National League? No, I would want it. I would want Kenley to be the DH. Got it. He'd have more at-bats. Perfect. Right? He could be the DH and then move to pitcher. Yeah. He, he's Otani. I mean, quite honestly, as good as Mad Bum is as a batter, especially for a pitcher, there probably would be nice that Diamondbacks would use him as a, as a DH if it's separated enough away from a start. Boy, he looks menacing when he hits, He too. does. First of all, he looks mean all the time, just in general. He's just an angry person, it seems like. But then when he's up there at the, in the dish, yeah, or at the yeah. plate, yeah. Well, I mean, with Scared all due respect. like he knows what he's doing. Look, yes. With all due respect, and I mean this from the bottom of my heart, if your parents named you Madison mm. as a man, right. wouldn't you be angry all wow. the time? Makes sense. Wow. That's why I said Dick Buck has had to be a football player. What else was he wow. going to do? Either that or a boxer. Right. What else was he going to do? <laughs> You, know? <laughs> you have no choice. That probably toughened to you up the, as a kid. To all the Madisons out there, I blame Fred Rogan for that. That was solely Fred Rogan for dissing your name. Well, I'm not trying to diss your name if you're you Madison. Are. I know a lot of Madisons. 
You said if you're a male Madison. I don't know any male Madison. He's the only, yeah, he's the only male Madison that I have ever heard. Yeah. I'm sure there are more, but he's the only one. Yeah, I don't know him. And and if you're Madison, God bless. I'm just saying that made him angry. (laughs) Call Fred if if you're a Madison out there. Yeah, but again, I'm just saying it's because that's why he's angry, Kevin. I didn't say everyone is angry because of that. Right? I was responding to you. This is true. One other moment in the game, and I don't know if you caught this. I don't know if it's going to be on the uh, level of Albert Pujols because I don't, you know, I'm not saying it was life-altering, but it talks about incredible physical conditioning. There was a ball hit down the right field line. Mookie Betts runs it down. He's about to fall into the stands. He makes the play. He's at that wall, and it looks like he's going to fall over. Did you see him plank using his core and balance so he wouldn't fall into the stands? Kind of reminded me of you, Fred, with your core strength. Oh, absolutely. I know it's all about the core. But did you see that? It was He was going to catch it and tumble over, but somehow was able to balance himself. I mean, it looked like he was in Pilates and just yeah. maintained his position, got up and walked off. That's hard to do, Rodney. Yeah. It, was he excited? Because I didn't see his excitement like that in Boston. No, he wasn't excited. <laughs> he wasn't. No, his exciting moment came against the Padres earlier this year when he caught that ball in right field and pounded his chest. That was exciting. All right. So, Ned Coletti, you know something? You know something? Okay. Ned Coletti's going to be on at 1 o'clock. And I'm going to set up that entire scenario for him. Let's see what he says. Let's see if he agrees with you about Albert Pujols last night. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna set it up the exact same way, and he'll be on at one o'clock. Okay. Let's see. Deal. Deal. All right. <laughs> the exact same way. Okay. And if I leave something out at that point, you throw it in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Deal. And then we'll get his reaction. Deal. Okay. I feel and very. I'll confident. say the same thing to him as I said what? to you. You he does. You have to let him react first. Yes. No, I will. And then you can say it. I will. Okay. Good. Yeah. We'll get his reaction. Uh, playing tournament starts tonight. Eastern Conference team. You got it right now? Yeah, now I got it. Well, I'm not so sure any of us really had it right as we talked it through, but now we got it right. It's one and done, basically. That's how it works now. That's that's the way it's always worked. One and done? Yeah. But it's not one and done. No, seven, Kevin, seven plays eight. Yeah, seven plays eight, and if seven beats eight one time, then they advance. If eight beats seven once, then they play again. So it's not one and done. It's not only one and done if the if, Warriors beat the Lakers, if we're using that as an example for tomorrow. No, if the Lakers, no, beat, the the Lakers beat the Warriors. Well, it's one, one and done if the Lakers beat the Warriors. If the Warriors beat the Lakers, then they have to beat them again. Yes. So that's what it is. That's how it's always been. Yeah, Fred. That's what are you talking about? Well, because people are saying, no, that's not right. Okay. Who, who, is, who, is, who are these people? Who are they? It doesn't matter. <laughs> people on Twitter. <laughs> they called you out for being wrong? Yeah, they said seven plays eight. Okay. Yeah. Winner of seven, eight. Boom. It's one shot. Moves on. And then winner of nine, ten plays eight. One shot. It's one game each. No, that's not true. They're wrong. Well, I thought I was right, but then I thought I was wrong. They made you question yourself, Fred? Yes. (laughs) Everybody made me question myself. I mean, it took us like two hours to figure it out the other day, right? Yes. Okay. Kevin, what is it? We just said it. If the Lakers beat the Warriors once, they advance. If the Warriors beat the Lakers, then they have to beat them again. They have to win twice. 
Well, didn't I say that the other day? We all said it the other day. You're the one that just brought up and said some random person on Twitter said that's not right, and you decided to mention it on the air. It was three people. Great. <laughs> yeah, three. <laughs> three people. Three people. Didn't read the chart. Very simple, Fred. Okay, so then we were right. Fine. Now we know what it is. You see how he lumps us in there, Kevin? Us all yeah. together. Like, we were right. We were wrong. Like, there was a question. We had it right, Fred. You had it right. You just... You just lost your confidence when three people on Twitter said you were wrong. Yeah, because you attacked me for my Albert Pujols position. Then I got confused about everything. <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. I thought I came in today and thought, you know, I saw something last night that was really cool. You're like, yeah, it's nothing. Yeah, big deal. By the way, when you were quarterback of the Lions, would it not have been cool to have a live Lion at practice? Absolutely. It would I would have loved it. it. Yes. Yes. No. No? no? <laughs> what, a live lion running around practice? Well, I don't think you could let him run around. You'd have to have him, like, in a giant cage or something. Well, make sure he was fed first. Yeah, make sure he's fed, have yeah. him in a giant cage. Or, how about this? At the games, that'd be cool. Yeah, at the games. I got an idea. Yeah. At practice. I think this would motivate some guys. What you do is you strap raw meat to their legs <laughs> and then have them run 100-yard sprints. And let the lion chase him. <laughs> that's the kind of that's the kind of coaching that's going to turn the lions around, Rodney. You know their coach wants to have a live lion yeah. at practice. Yeah, I'll let Dan Campbell start it off. Oh yeah, yeah. Hey, follow me. All I got to do is beat him. I got to beat the lion. <laughs> no, all I got to do is beat Dan Campbell. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't got to beat the lion. I just got to beat Dan Campbell. <laughs> right. If I beat Dan Campbell, the lion will eat him. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's the kind of coaching that's going to turn uh, the lions around, Rodney. He was he was a guy that's going to punch in the knee. Oh, uh, yeah, bite, bite your, your kneecaps yeah. and all that. Yeah. You know, you got to get a few wins under your belt first, don't you, Freddie? How are you going to get them? This way. <laughs> Suit the lion up? This is the way to approach it. It'd be like the Rams. Think about yes, this. Having a live ram. Having a live ram. That's a psychotic wild animal. That is kind of I do kind of I do kind of think it would be cool to have a, a lion in the stadium during on game day. You know, I think, you know, the animal rights groups would go crazy, but um, you know, kind of like the dolphins used to have flipper in the end zone. Remember yeah. they used to have the dolphin in the end zone doing flips and tricks and all those things? Yeah. You know, Tampa Bay's got the the pirate ship in the end zone. I right. think the Lions should should have a. It'd be cool if they had a lion, you know, kind of roaming around in the end zone somewhere. I told you. Now I told you the story when I did Arthel and Fred, which lives in the annals of television history. <laughs> Where does it live? The annals, not the annals, the <laughs> annals of television history. And I told you the story about the time we had the lion in the studio. Right. We couldn't yeah. have Jack Hanna because that cost right. money. So we had, you know, like Bert's Animal Farm bringing animals. <laughs> and they brought in the monkey, and the monkey hit me in the mouth. <laughs> and then one day they brought in the lion. And, and why, why? Yeah, but no. They you brought, and animals, man. And they brought in the lion, and that was the day that, you know, and the audience for the Arthel and Fred show, we didn't really have an audience, so we paid people. So when they canceled the show, they said, nice working with you. It was bizarre. So anyway, they... <laughs> So they brought in a lion. This is like a live lion. And it's like got a chain, right? 
like you'd have a, a, a leash for a dog that had to lie on a chain. Well, what you didn't realize, uh, which I quickly learned, is that lions don't like noise. They don't want people clapping and cheering, no, no matter how many of them there are, because then they're going to get pissed. So they bring oh, the lion no. in, the people start cheering, and actually, oh, no. Arthel was handling this on her own. And I was off on the side with one of the producers. She was handling this animal segment. And the lion, apparently gets spooked. Oh, no. And the lion fixates on somebody in the crowd, is staring. This is a live lion on like a chain staring at one of the- Who's holding the chain? What's the chain to? It it was, a guy was holding it. Oh, no. Yeah. And the lion is staring at somebody in the crowd. So, you know, they make an announcement, don't move anybody. All right? So taping shuts down. Don't move. And they said, look, it's not good if the lion fixates on somebody because that means the lion is getting ready oh, yeah. to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the slow one of the herd. Right. The, the lion bait. is now eyeing somebody in the crowd, and it, it got really tense. And that was when the producer gave me the line, I hope nobody gets hurt, but if the lion should go into the crowd and we run that episode, at least we can be Judge Judy that day. <laughs> All about the ratings. So. so <laughs> you all right? They're lying in studio now? No, there's not. <laughs> anyway, they calmed the lion down. That, that was the lion story. But now. They calmed the lion down? They, calmed they didn't the lion. do anything to the lion. No, the lion just, they we sat for like 20 minutes. And then they mm-hmm. took the lion out. And they put it back in Bert's animal truck and took it What's away. the guy's name really Bert? I don't remember what it was. <laughs> It was like Jimmy's Animal Farm. We couldn't afford Jack Hanna. It was Carol Baskin. Right, Carol Baskin. <laughs> Wait a minute. We have breaking news. Oh, no. She killed her husband? Yeah. The saltier Adam Oslin has just jumped in. Our NBA expert brought you by Honey, the money browser. The money-saving browser extension. Okay, Adam, what about the playing tournament? Well, it's different than it was last year. Last year was just two teams to determine that eighth seed, to give teams more time because the season was cut short. This time around, everybody got in their 72 games. So here's how it works. Seven plays eight in this case in the Western Conference. That would be the Lakers taking on the Golden State Warriors. The winner of that becomes the seventh seed. All right, so they were right. That team. This is why I send Adam in now to, to clarify this. That team takes on the Phoenix Suns in the first round. The loser plays the winner of 9 and 10. That would be the Memphis Grizzlies versus the San Antonio Spurs. Then that team becomes the eighth seed. So if the Lakers lost, that means they would still have one more chance. It's double elimination. They would take on the winner of Memphis versus San Antonio. Winner of that becomes the eighth seed. Simple. Well, the Saltier is here. Yes. Brought to you by the Money Honey browser. Right. It's not the read, Fred. Okay. Anyway, we'll continue getting ready for the uh, play-in tournament next. Bringing you LA's best sports talk weekdays, noon to three. Bogan and Rodney. Oh, yes. That's what they say about us, Freddie. It takes two to make a thing go right. Happy birthday, Rob Bates. 
Rodney Pete, Fred Rogan. On a Tuesday, a Taco Tuesday. You remember this, Fred, when you used to get on the floor in the dance club? Come on, Rodney. Come on now. This is my vibe. Yes, it is. That's right. Uh, Saltier Adam Osland here cleared up the playoff situation. You know, it's funny. I just checked Twitter. Uh-oh. All right. I said I was wrong, meaning we were wrong, but I said I was wrong. Corrected it. I could have told you that. Stop. <laughs> then I was told, no, you're not wrong. We're right. Okay. Then we brought in Adam, who just explained it, which confirmed what our listeners said. And now I go to Twitter and they go, what's wrong with you? What's, what's wrong with you? The confusion is based around last season, it was a spur of the moment. They made an amendment to the end of the season because they didn't think it was fair for teams to not have a sh- shot to get in because they didn't play the full 82 games. The season season was unexpectedly cut short. So what they did was they said, okay, Portland's the eighth seed right now. Memphis is the ninth seed. The ninth seed has a chance to get to the eighth seed because they shortened all those games. So if they beat... Portland twice, they get in. If Portland beats them once, they get in. That's what happened. Portland became the eighth seed. They just had to beat Memphis once. All right. And I was of the belief that the ruling from last season carried over into this season, and I believe that is where the genesis of all the confusion started. It started with me, not with Fred or with Rodney. It was me. Okay, so Adam, for me and all the listeners again, can you break it down one more time? Okay, Lakers win tomorrow night. Let's say that happens. All right. They're the seventh seed. The seven and eight, whoever comes out of that game tomorrow night in both conferences, they are the seventh seed. In the Eastern Conference, that's Washington taking on the Boston Celtics tonight. So whoever wins. Whoever wins becomes the seventh seed. It doesn't matter if the Lakers win or Golden State win. Whoever wins. Whoever wins that game. The loser takes on the winner of of the 9-10 which in the Western Conference will be Memphis versus the San Antonio Spurs. So even if the Lakers lost to the Golden State Warriors, it's double elimination. They would still have another chance to get the eighth seed by beating the winner of Memphis and San Antonio. All right. But they don't play the Golden State Warriors twice. No. No, sir. Gotcha. That no was scenario. just something unique to last year. All right. Since you do a Clipper Countdown, yeah. and you are the uh, pregame, halftime, and postgame host of all Clippers, did they go in the tank? At the end of the season, I'm calling this sports media malpractice Mm. with what Mm. I've heard Mm. over the past couple days. Is there just not enough to talk about? Because the premise is built upon a lie, a falsehood. You can go back and say, well, the Clippers did not play hard against Houston or OKC. They didn't play their regulars. Well, why should they have to? They earn the right, first of all, to rest guys, and they have their two superstars who are both dealing with foot injuries in Kawhi and Paul George. And oh yeah, Friday night's game, that was the second game of a back-to-back. It's consistent with what they've been doing over the last month on back-to-backs. They've been resting guys. So... That game makes sense to me, even though Rajon Rondo still played 30 minutes and they were still in it late. But the fact that people are saying it's further proven that they were trying to throw the end of the game or the end of the regular season to not match up against the Lakers because they lost to OKC on Sunday. Hey, wait a second. Uh, that game had no bearing on them playing the Los Angeles Lakers. They already knew going into Sunday that they were going to take on either the Dallas Mavericks or the Portland Trailblazers, no matter what happened in that game. They had no control over that. They weren't going to play the Los Angeles Lakers. It was already determined 
after Friday night. It was over. So to say, not only did they throw a game against the Houston Rockets Friday night, then they lose to one of the worst teams again in the OKC Thunder. That game had nothing to do with it. So either people are lying, being disingenuous about it, just taking shots at the Clippers because it's open season for whatever reason, I guess because they blew that 3-1 series lead against the Denver Nuggets, or they're just completely uninformed. So, okay, so I get the Sunday, but the Friday, do people have a legitimate beef about the Friday night game because it wasn't determined there? They haven't been playing Kawhi Leonard or Paul George on back-to-backs recently. If you have a chance to give both of your guys a week and a half off, the two guys that are most important to making that long playoff run, you do that. And that is what ended up happening. It would be one thing if you could gain some momentum and some runway going into the playoffs. Let's say the season ended on Sunday and the first round started on Tuesday or Wednesday, but that's not the situation now because of the play-in tournament. Every team is having five to six to seven days off from the end of the regular season into the first round. So it's not even like you can get into a rhythm by playing these guys at the end of the year. There's no incentive to play them. It doesn't make sense. Lakers fans are just unhappy because they ended up being in the play-in tournament. Go get upset with the Portland Trailblazers or Denver Nuggets, if that's the case. That was the ultimate game that determined whether or not they were going to get in or not. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, yeah, maybe Lakers fans, they can feel, you know, maybe superior, like the Clippers are scared of them. But I, I think it's more than just Laker fans that felt that way. I think it's across the country that people were like, ooh, the Clippers kind of kind of ducked it. But to, to the real point, if you really think about it, if you're the Clippers, well, when do you want to face the Lakers? You want to face them early, or do you want to face them in the, in the finals where they've had a couple series under their belt? If you're the Clippers, don't you want to face them in the first round when they're the most vulnerable? Uh. I think the Clippers right now, based upon the last three weeks, they are also vulnerable. I don't think they've been playing their best basketball. Since Kawhi returned from his foot injury, they just haven't looked the same overall. So I've heard a lot about this where, well, you could catch the Lakers slipping right now. It's a perfect time. Get them in the first round. Take them out. They're re-implementing LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Well, it's not like Paul George and Kawhi Leonard have been playing a ton of games recently. They're also banged up, and they just got Serge Ibaka back, who is going to be necessary going up against Anthony Davis. He just played his first two games in the last two months. So they need to get into a rhythm, too. Now, they could still see the Lakers, by the way, in the second round. If the Lakers end up losing to the Golden State Warriors tomorrow night, and then they win against whoever comes out between the Memphis Grizzlies and San Antonio Spurs, they're the eighth seed. They'll take on the one if they upset the Utah Jazz in that case, and the Clippers won against the Dallas Mavericks, they would match up in the second round. So the fact that the Clippers could have won both games and the Lakers still wouldn't have got in to the playoffs? That <laughs> tells you all you need to know. Why would the Clippers be worried about anyone else but themselves? All right, what do you think about LeBron's ankle situation? I thought he looked pretty good on with the burst on uh, Sunday against the Pelicans. Now, it sounded like he had a minor tweak at the end, but they're all saying, I'm fine, everything's fine. To me, the play was telling where he had the steal and took it coast-to-coast for the underhand layup. He looked like the freight train LeBron James. He looked as fast as ever. And I don't think it takes a lot of time for someone like him and for the guys around him to get back in sync when you're talking about LeBron James because he's that ultimate connector out there on the floor. He makes everyone so much better. And in his 18th year or whatever it is, I don't think it's going to take him long 
to get back in rhythm individually. He looked good. Anthony Davis has looked really good at times over the last week, too. The Lakers are in a pretty good spot considering how many games have been missed by LeBron James and Anthony Davis. I think LeBron has missed 27, AD has missed somewhere around 35, and they're coming together just at the right time, and they have a team in Golden State that doesn't match up well against them. I'm expecting the Lakers to win by 15 to 20 points tomorrow night. Yeah, well, all right, so what So what do you think? Assuming that it all stays the same, the Lakers beat the Warriors, the Warriors beat whoever, San Antonio or Memphis, it stays 7-8 and eight with Lakers and Warriors. What matchup in this first round of the Western Conference uh, are you excited about or should be the most exciting matchup? Most exciting? I mean, it could be because of the likelihood of an upset. It could be that 2-7 matchup between the Phoenix Suns and the Los Angeles Lakers. Because Phoenix has done all this work to be the two seed, and the reward is getting to play the Los Angeles Lakers, who they don't have the personnel to match up very well against. They don't have enough size. And that last game without LeBron James, where the Lakers won handily, where AD looked like himself going for 40-plus points out there, that could be a preview, a sign of things to come. As good as CP3 has been this season, and Devin Booker, and DeAndre Ayton, they just don't have a lot of answers for the Lakers' size. That would be a really good matchup for the Los Angeles Lakers. People have talked about this. The fact that they can still be the seventh seed going through the play-in tournament could actually benefit them. I talked about all the other teams dealing with being out of sync and out of rhythm because they're going to have a week off between the end of or from the end of the, the uh, end of the regular season into the first round. The Lakers might actually have some momentum. If they win big tomorrow night, they may feel really good about themselves. And Phoenix, ooh, that is just a really tough draw for them. Yeah, I they said, don't match up well. I said this earlier on the FNA podcast, but it's just, it is the undefeated bad luck of Chris Paul. It's always been like that for him in the playoffs. If they end up getting the Los Angeles Lakers and get bounced in six games in the first round, it is going to be devastating for Phoenix Suns fans who really thought they had a chance at least to get to the Western Conference Finals. Adam, appreciate the info today. Thanks for jumping in. All right. Love you guys. Even you, Fred. <laughs> One o'clock hour, Ned Coletti. Jump on. We have a theory. We'll run it by Ned. We're going to set it up just as we did at the top of the show. And we'll find out what Ned thinks, Rodney. And now another Rogan and Rodney. Oh, yeah. Afternoon delight. Now I'm living Porsche's emergency. Kicking the doors of burglary. Light it up, burn it third degree. Oh, oh yeah. Today's afternoon delight is Emergency by 21 Savage and Gunna. This song appears on the album for the film Spiral from the Book of Saw and was curated and produced by 21 Savage. The song is also one of four tracks that appears on the soundtrack and is also featured rappers Gunna and Young Thug. The project arrived just seven months after 21 Savage made his return with Savage Mode 2, his joint album with Metro Boom. Again, today's afternoon delight is Emergency by 21 Savage featuring Gunna and Young Thug. Emergency, well, we should sound the siren because Rodney, yes. It is time for our first code word. We're going to get the code words. Let's do it. 
Now, the deal is get all six code words. Listen to us, listen to Petros and Money. And then during the Dodger pregame show with Tim Cates, when you hear the cue, it's time for Dodgers baseball. You call in, list all six code words, and you are going to the game tomorrow night. Six field-level tickets, VIP parking, but you've got to have all of the code words. And our code word for this hour, which is very reminiscent to the code word for this hour from yesterday, Southpaw. Oh, Southpaw. Yes, Southpaw. We had Southpaw. Yesterday during this hour. We had Southpaw. Yes, so now it's back again today. The first code word of the day is Southpaw. Keep listening. Get them all done. Call Tim Cates, and you may be going to the game tomorrow night with your buddies. All right. And now, from the court to the courtroom with Jacob Emrani. Our good friend Jacob Emrani, proud partner of the Lakers and of LAFC. Jacob, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Fred. How are you? Doing well. How are you today? Good. Hi, Rodney. Hey, Jacob. How are you, buddy? Good, good. Doing great. Okay. Uh, how concerned are you about LeBron's ankle in this playing game tomorrow night? Zero concern. It's the playoffs, Fred. <laughs> it's the playoffs. We're not going to be doing nothing to duck anybody. We don't go out of our way oh, not to oh. play somebody. We're what are you trying to say, Jacob? We're in the playoffs. Oh, man. Ooh, okay. Jacob. Guns are blazing today. Some would have suggested that the Clippers did not do anything to avoid the Lakers. You say I mean, otherwise. my God. I mean, could, could, could it have been more obvious than that? I mean, come on. You want to be the champion, you got to play the champions. You can't duck them and say, I won't play you, you know, until the conference finals. But you know what? It is what it is. No problem. Let's go. And, and you don't think there'll be any problems tomorrow night with Steph Curry? No, I don't think so. I mean, Steph obviously is a you know future Hall of Famer and he's a great player. But you know, you need a lot more than you know Steph Curry in order to be able to beat the team. I mean, you know, this is a great opportunity for the Lakers to continue to get their legs back under them. Uh, I think you know this is like the fourth or fifth game that they'll all be you know playing together. Uh, I think Steph's going to come out and do his thing, but I think we're too deep, too strong, too big. And I don't really think that there's going to be any concern. But, of course, you can't come in being too confident because those are the games you end up losing. Yeah, and I think, you you know, Steph's going to get his. you got to let Steph get his. Even if he goes for 60, you just can't let anybody else get theirs. That, that's the thing. Well, they really don't have anybody else. And they don't. Exactly. So it's not so, about you know, Steph. The reality, it's about the other yeah. Guys. Yeah, I mean, the reality becomes is, you know, one of their biggest issues of the Warriors always been they're not big enough. So, one of the things that the Lakers are going to bring is height. And I think right off the bat, you know, you're going to be dominating the middle. I think ultimately at the end of the day, you just have to come out from the first tip and you have to be strong. You can't let them gain confidence. And the reality becomes, you know, the Warriors just want to get into the playoffs. And, uh, you know, after they lose, they get a chance to beat Memphis or San Antonio, though, and I feel like they will be the eighth seed. But ultimately, the Lakers just got to do their thing and get ready for the next round and, you know, use this as a great opportunity to continue to, you know, get your legs back under you. We need health and we need, you know, uh, chemistry between the team. I got to give the Warriors credit, though, Jacob. Uh, you know, after Clay Thompson was hurt again, you're thinking they got no shot at all. And then Steph Curry just becomes, you know, incredible and – they do have a shot to make the playoffs. I do think you have to give the Warriors a lot of credit this year. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, there goes again. Here's another organization that doesn't give up, that doesn't tank, 
They continued to, you know, honor the game. And they came out and played, and they made moves, and they brought people on, you know, on board, and they, you know, they did everything they could in order to give Steph somebody to fight with. And Steph didn't stop himself. So, I actually enjoy the Warriors. I enjoyed watching the game against Memphis the other day. You know, in the weekends, I, w- I wanted to see who we're going to get in the play, you know, playing game. And you know, I'm actually more excited to be playing them. I'm going to be at the game tomorrow night, and I'm excited. I'm excited to, you know, to see Steph, you know, go up against the Lakers. All right, every time you come on, we, we look forward to you giving uh, our listeners a bit of advice because you are the best at what you do. And you do something really interesting, Jacob. Uh, you say, even if you're talking to another attorney, we will give you a free second opinion, a free consultation, just to make sure you're on the right path. Do a lot of people take you up on that? You know, they do, and it's, and it's very interesting. You know, uh, just like when you go to a doctor and they recommend you go get a surgery and you say to yourself, okay, thanks, doc, but I'd like to get a second opinion. Unfortunately, you know, nobody likes to talk about that in the legal industry. I think most people say, whoa, why do you need a second opinion? And I feel like, you know, as clients, you need to have an avenue to have another attorney to talk to. Now, you know, I'm lucky enough in California to be with a lot of great other attorneys. But, you know, from the other point of it, there are a lot of attorneys that don't do their job the way they're supposed to. So why shouldn't the public have an opportunity to talk to somebody for free, not have to worry about having to pay them, just to make sure that everything's going well? And I got to tell you, I get it right down the middle, Fred. I get people who come to us and we review their case and we say, hey, your attorney's doing a great job. And they feel great because now they have a second opinion. And then there's times where we catch stuff that just is absurd and that should not be occurring to somebody who doesn't know the law. So it's worked out really well. We've been doing it for many years. We get, you know, great feedback from, you know, the general public and, you know, we continue to do it and we do it in order to protect the public. Uh, hey, Jacob, when you, when you do get people come for a second opinion, do is it a red flag if they're going to another attorney and uh, you tell that other attorney you want to get a second opinion and they kind of discourage you from doing that? Oh, 100%. Uh, and, and just so you know, uh, a lot of attorneys are not happy about the fact that we give that three-second opinion. And, uh, you know, anybody, anytime you tell your attorney, I want to go get a second opinion, you know, they get nervous. And the reality becomes is that I would also get nervous if somebody wanted to get a second opinion on my case. But the reality is that's a right that they have. And as attorneys, our job is to protect the public, not necessarily our own pockets. So if a client is unhappy or feel like, things are not being done, give them an opportunity to get a second opinion. If you're doing your job, then the other attorney should be saying, hey, they're doing their job. Stay with them. Take, you know, let them continue to fight for you. Uh, that, that's my point on this. All right. Well, Jacob, uh, doing this is, is just a service to the public. Uh, we appreciate everything you do, and we always look forward to you coming on once a week. Well, I appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to come on with you guys and always a pleasure to chat with you. And, uh, you know, it's getting exciting, guys. Sports is getting exciting, and I look forward to talking to you guys next week.